Thank you for downloading the Inspire Me Lecture podcast, brought to you by the University of the West of England. In this podcast, we're joined by Ravin Singh, lawyer, barrister at law and founding partner at Messrs Vin Partnership Advocates and Solicitors. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to today's Inspire Me Lecture. Uh, as always, I'm Alyssa Willis, Head of Student Communications here at UWE Bristol. Our speaker today is Ravin Singh. Ravin completed his bar vocational course here at UWE and is a founding partner of Messrs Vin Partnership Advocates and Solicitors. His talk today is about his journey after leaving UWE Bristol, beginning his practice as a lawyer in Malaysia and how he set up his own firm. He'll cover issues he's faced and how his fellow UWE Bristol mates are today his colleagues. He will also explore practice today in the new normal after the pandemic. Following Ravin's talk, we'll have some time for questions and we'll be recording this lecture and it will be available in our speaker library. I'm delighted to pass over to Ravin. A very good afternoon, everyone, and um, a very good evening to some of you all who are in the same time zone as me. Thank you so much to UWE for giving me this opportunity to speak um, on my life journey uh, and in practice. And um, thank you for um, considering me for this position. I began my career um, in Malaysia. Uh, initially, I actually didn't, uh, I didn't think that I was going to practice law. However, um, a very close friend of mine at the time uh, gave me a lot of encouragement and I decided to give it a, to give it a go at the time. Now, when I always knew that um, this was something I would be interested in, but perhaps with lack of um, planning at the, at the early stage of my studies, uh, I got a bit distracted. However, I eventually went to Health University here in Malaysia, where I, when I walked into the university for the first time, I told myself, um, this is where I want to go. And that's when I started my law degree. I did a tuning with the University of Wales Aberystwyth and um, completed my final year in Aberystwyth. And thereafter, I signed on for the bar vocational program at UWE. Now, one of the one of the things that I want to speak about in this lecture, while I go through my uh, my career advancement or, or the route that I've taken, I would also like to add in um, certain points where I think there were certain lessons or life lessons which would be um, of use to younger students uh, who are signing on. I remember when I got the conditional acceptance uh, from UWE during when I was um, in my final year at law school and I was and I was quite pleased. I was quite pleased that I got a place and um, as many of you would know, getting into the bar vocational program at that time, it was um, one in two or sometimes one in three individuals who get a place. And I was never considered a, a, the top student, um, should have done a bit better. and. When I got, when I received the uh, conditional acceptance and thereafter the full acceptance after my, after my results were out, I was very intrigued in what were the terms of reference used by the university when deciding um, whether to accept my application. At that time, I met up with um, our lecturer um, and program administrator, Mr. Stephen McDowell from UWE, and I asked him about a dinner one day, uh, a dinner at the university one day, and he explained to me that it was my my CV, which he found to be uh, different. Now, at the time, I was an active um, 
debater. I was an active member of uh, Rotrek, which is a movement junior to Rotary. Um, I was active in many activities which involved um, motorcycling over long over long distances um, uh, with people who were many people who were much older than me. I had a lot of uh, my CV was not considered something um, common, and that was what they were looking for at the time. I I understood what they meant. The, the fact is that UWB was not searching for um, one particular type of student. They were looking for people from a um, wide variety uh, of backgrounds, and I think that's what would be one of the lessons for younger uh, for students coming into coming into law school or whichever program you choose. The idea is not to only concentrate solely on your academic uh, qualifications. You should at a at a very early stage start to um, diversify, get involved in activities which you normally may not um, get involved in um, clubs, associations, uh, societies, which uh, while I admit will take some time, some of your time, but they really broaden your horizons and they really um, gives you an gives you a better understanding of how the world works and so on. So at UWE, a lot of the people I um, I studied with at UWE are till this day um, some of my best friends and some of my colleagues. I will I will speak about that a little bit more later. And um, subsequent to my year, uh, subsequent to finishing my bar, I was uh, admitted as a uh, barrister uh, at the Honorable Society of uh, Middle Temple to the Atabar, and I returned home. When I returned to Malaysia, I knew that um, I wanted to commence my pupillage uh, or reading in chambers immediately, and I started uh, my pupillage at a firm called Mrs. Jagjit Singh and Company. And um, my my pupil master at the time, uh, Datuk Jagjit, uh, was a very established lawyer and still is a very established lawyer. And he handled um, very high profile matters when, and when, when, when I was there. And while, I, while there was a lot to learn, I at that time already knew that my area of interest was going to be um, criminal litigation as well as uh, personal injury. But I also knew that there would be very little opportunity for me to handle the more um, public, more publicized cases or the high end um, cases which he was handling at the time due to the requirements of the clients as well as the uh, as well as the uh, um, public attention to the matter. So one of the things that I did early on was I immediately signed up with the Kuala Lumpur Legal Aid Center and volunteered to take on legal aid matters. Um, which was um, where you, you got paid a very, very basic uh, uh, fee for your time. Um, this is very different from the legal aid system in the UK. The legal aid system in Malaysia um, at the Bar Council was privately funded by the, by, or is currently privately funded by all lawyers in Malaysia. Every lawyer in Malaysia contributes a certain amount of money which then funds the legal aid systems, uh, the Bar Council legal aid centers. And as such, you really got paid very little for the cases that you handled and it was uh, only for your disbursements mainly. But I did this because I knew that criminal litigation is where I wanted to go. And the best way for me to get that experience was to get my hands dirty, so to speak, and to have full control of my own files, as well as 
um, handling right from A to Z on, on, on the methods. And that is where I think I really, um, for lack of better words, uh, I really got all my experience, a lot of my experience, and um, it really gave me the confidence and also the affirmation that this is what I really wanted to do. Subsequent to being, uh, when I was in, Jag when I was in uh, Mrs. Jagjit Singh, I was there for uh, roughly three years. And um, one thing I will tell all students or young budding lawyers is that in adversity comes opportunity. And somewhere in 2010, um, sorry, early 2010, I met with a motorcycle accident, my one of my activities, and I had an injury which um, which get, put me on three months medical leave. And I was sitting with one one leg up uh, on a hoist and, and wondering what am I what was I going to do? And at that time is when I asked myself, did I really want to continue practicing in a um, in an establishment which was already which was already developed? Or was I planning to build my own? And at that time, I made the decision that seeing as I had this time on my hands and it's something I wanted to do, I went ahead and set up my own firm. I must say at the time I was um, I was I was really in two minds about this and a lot of uh, my colleagues um, came into support and said, you know, this is something you should do. And that's how my first firm, uh, Mrs. Rabin and Co was set up. Setting up my own, there was many concerns about, well, let's be honest, survival. When you set up a firm, when you're three years in practice, there are a lot of concerns about um, where will your clients come from and um, will you have enough to sustain? Now, because this is, I was very clear about, about this endeavor, I was very lucky and I had um, many lawyers who had contacted me and said, could you please handle cases for us? If you have time, could you please handle cases for us? We'll pay you a counsel fee. And that's exactly what I did. I, I handled a lot of cases as, as counsel and um, some of them went some of them went quite well. And um, we never once had a situation where where we had any difficulty or um, to survive. A year later, another partner, another partner of mine, another colleague of mine, also from UWE, approached me and spoke about a partnership. And that's when we renamed uh, Rabin & Co to Vin Partnership, the firm which I practice in until this day. One of the other things which I also had an interest in was service. Um, while money was important, I always knew that I was interested in, um, in service. Um, aside from legal aid, was also to the bar. And from a young age, I had I had made sure that I was always involved in uh, bar council activities, bar council committees, um, whether it be at state bar level or at national level. And well, as as luck would have it, um, when I was in my seventh year of practice, I was then elected as the Kuala Lumpur Bar Chairman, um, a position that I held for two years uh, by convention, and um, and also I was a member of the bar council. This is my background of how I, how my life took steps after I left uh, UWE and until the point where I set up my own firm and my position at the bar. Practice in Malaysia is 
um, fairly straightforward. A lot of um, a lot of our procedures are the same as that in the UK, except as we don't have the jury trials. And practice was going on pretty well, and timelines were quite strictly adhered to in Malaysia um, because of um, we had a chief justice about uh, two chief justices ago who made sure that um, all case backlogs were dealt with and as such um, all lawyers and, and clients benefited from this uh, from this uh, uh, speedy handling of trials however things have changed as you're aware due to the COVID-19 pandemic Malaysia went into a full lockdown in March on March 18th 2020 and we were in a lockdown for roughly two and a half months uh, almost three months and thereafter we were on a control movement order until the third quarter of last year unfortunately uh, we went into another lockdown in more states in in uh, december uh, sorry i beg your pardon in january this year again now as I mentioned earlier, in adversity, there's, um, there's always opportunity. The backlog of cases now, roughly for civil matters, is about six months. And lawyers being mostly traditionalists, many lawyers in Malaysia are sticklers for tradition. And as such, um, switching to an online uh, hearing is something that was not an easy transition. But we have done it. And I would have to say, while there is a lot of getting used to, to conducting leave applications at the Court of Appeal or, or trial or hearings at the Court of Appeal online. While there is um, a lot of getting used to or adapting to handling case management and mentions uh, via email or having mediations uh, via Zoom, there's a lot, there was a lot of uh, adapting to be done. But despite this um, difficulty, the silver lining, um, if I may, of the situation is many uh, many lawyers don't spend any more time traveling uh, to court. We are able to handle matters across the whole of uh, Malaysia, uh, with the exception of Sabah and Sarawak, uh, East Malaysia. We have no difficulty in um, handling matters outside of our local jurisdiction. Uh, there's a, cases are handled in quite an expedient manner, and the same has proven to be quite useful. Lawyers have, what I find now, um, subsequent to the pandemic, lawyers have made the best of the situation with the assistance of the judiciary. Definitely, I think the current Chief Justice has done an excellent job at making sure that um, as matters start to proceed and that we avoid having too much of a backlog. So with this pandemic, we have actually moved into a new generation of having cases online um, no traveling, as well as having almost no borders as far as uh, as far as cases are concerned. The other uh, benefit, as I as I must add to my journey, is that I've always had a passion for lecturing. I've always had a passion for teaching. While I was an active member of the Legal Aid Center and Bar Council, we conducted a lot of trainings throughout Malaysia to train young lawyers, um, uh, even lawyers who were, who were in you know ten years in practice or more on handling how to handle criminal matters. And this was done so that we could um, uh, establish the National Legal Aid Foundation in Malaysia, which, which was very successful. And with that same passion of teaching, uh, due to the pandemic uh, or, or subsequent to the pandemic, we were given an opportunity to start teaching the 
um, a CLT paper here in Malaysia, which is our version of the bar exams, and which came as a result of the adversity that we are facing. So I would, I would definitely always say to young lawyers or young professionals or even students for that matter, in adversity, you have to look for the opportunities because there are many. Now, my advice to younger, to those of y'all who are starting your endeavor, your degree, always try your best to plan ahead for what is it that you want to do. Try your best to envision where do you want to be? What kind of work do you want to handle? And if you're not sure, explore, learn. If, you, if you're if you a young lawyer and you would like, or sorry, if you're a first year law student or you're planning to join a law degree, take some time. Um, find out what legal practice is like. See if that's something that you want to do. Come up with a plan. If you have a plan, if you have a plan, it makes execution much easier. I said at the beginning part of my lecture, at the beginning of when, when I was studying, I I knew that, um, or oh, I had this, I had a um, inkling that I wanted to practice law, but I wasn't really sure about it at the time. Of course, today, if you ask me, I'm glad that I did. But always start off with a plan, and that would be huge benefit. I would like to adopt a small anecdote. I remember when I was a young lawyer and I watched a documentary on Channel News Asia on a very famous um, murder trial in Malaysia. Um, for Malaysians, you would, you would know this case, uh, um, Jean Sinapa, um, Jean Pereira, the murder case. And I remember watching a prominent Malaysian lawyer, Datuk Kumarendran, on the screen and how he spoke about the um, handling of the said matter. And I told myself, I said, one day I would love to be in that. I would love to be given that opportunity. And one of the cases which I handled for the Legal Aid Center was a um, was a criminal matter. I won't go into the details of the case. And very, very uh, surprisingly, I'm glad to say, um, five years later, I was interviewed by Channel News Asia, and um, and what I envisioned or I wanted eventually came true, um, and that was great. So I would tell you. Um, know what you want to do and head in that direction. Collaborations. Everyone who I have studied with um, during the bar exams today are still in contact with me. And the, uh, the benefits of that, I mean, aside from the fact we are all good friends and we, are, we, have, we have still maintained our relationships, I am most impressed by the fact that every one of them has done well. Um, I could just to name a few. Uh, one of my best friends, Aaron Matthews, has just set up his own practice. He was working for a very established firm, uh, Mrs. Shuklin and Bok, for many years. Um, and subsequently, he joined another firm and went on his own. Um, our good friend, uh, Sabira Rahman, was with, was with, is with Abdurrahman Saad, a partner. Our good friend, uh, Jack Sung, is, was with a, is a partner of uh, uh, Lee Shimurin, Allen, and Gladhill, and so on. I've noticed that, um, uh, sorry, another good friend of mine, Shankar, also did the bar with us. He's a partner of um, Mrs. K. Saladas. Looking at all the the friends that we had back in university, the people we studied with, the people that we revised with, are the same people we work with today. If you build relationships at the time of your studies, maintain those relationships. Um, understand that if you're in this for the long run, um, 
the best people to work with are the friends who you're used to working with, the friends who would be cut and dry with you on whether you're doing something right or wrong, and the friends who would assist you and um, uh, with your cases or with whatever endeavor you have. Till today, I will be sitting in um, many of my colleagues' offices and discussing matters where we would collaborate on, and um, they would contact me when they need assistance with criminal matters as well as personal injury. So, and always uh, don't ever feel afraid or feel uh, have any um, restriction on yourselves whether or not you can ask for assistance or work with someone because that is how you learn. You have to ask and that is how you will improve. Never stop learning. I am, uh, I left UWE in 2005 and I've just turned, uh, well, I shouldn't tell you my age, but I've just turned 40. And as I told, and I was, I was talking to the admin, to the uh, uh, to Gemma and, and all earlier, I said I've got a dissertation due tomorrow um, for my uh, for my masters, and I decided not to do a masters in and in law. I, my masters is not an LLM. I'm doing an, an MSc in economic crime management. It's um, something different uh, and something I wanted to learn about. And recently, I was handling many matters that involves um, personal injury claims on the issue of prosthesis, uh, prosthetics, prosthetics and orthotics. And I've even explored the possibility of doing a course in that area. Never stop learning. No matter what happens, um, any information you gain will be of some use to you at some point in your future. Never stop learning. If you see opportunities coming to you, if there are courses offered, even though it may be a weekend course, it's a full on master's program. If you can afford it, take it. If you can't afford it, get it, get, try to get a bursary, but take it. Um, Motivation. I have to say that motivation is. It's very intrinsic. It's something that must come from within. While it is definitely attractive to be recognized for your work, it's definitely attractive to be recognized for any sort of achievement. That usually is short lived. Extrinsic um, motivation, I believe, is usually short lived. And many of the time, the work that you do, especially if you're, if you're entering the world of legal aid work, you're not going to get any recognition for this work and you should not expect it either. And that's why I say to feel motivated, to be motivated, look for what is it that's within you that makes you want this. It has to be something that comes within you. You must want to achieve whatever goal you set yourself to. And for that reason, the fact that you all have come this far and you have chosen this course, and I would advise you to make a plan for what you want to achieve in the future and stick to that and stick to that and work your way towards it. I will be willing to take any questions that you have. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's thank, great. You. Thank, you. thank you so much um, for that. It's really interesting how you're saying, you know, about looking within yourself to find where you, you know, how you get motivated and everything and making a plan and sticking to it. So I think that'll that'll resonate quite quite well with a lot of the students that are um, tuning in. Um, what I'm going to do now is just go to some of the questions that have been asked over the side. Um, the first one, uh, Raven, is do you have any advice on searching for opportunities so that students can build experience? OK, so um, I'm going to assume that um, that most of you all are, uh, are law students, but even if you're not, one of the things which really impressed me about uh, about some students that I've met, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, 
a young lady applied with my firm and um, we had actually written to her and said we're not looking for any for any uh, pupils at the moment and i was most Im most impressed when she called me and she asked to speak to me and i and i took the call and i said how can i help you and she said i sent you an application and, and you and you rejected it i said yes i have and, and i explained why and she said um but could i at least come and meet you and i was thoroughly impressed because and i and i told her and i said i said in the years that i've been in practice i've never seen a student um, take this kind of initiative to be with uh, to join to join a firm and um, that's what i will tell state say to students if you think there's an internship out there that you want go for it ask for it look around for it do not be shy do not be worried uh, about embarrassing yourself don't be worried about you know um, none of my friends are doing it therefore i'm you know i'm not really i'm not really into it if you would like an internship somewhere go for it if you're a young lawyer if you're a young student and you feel that you have a language barrier which in some some jurisdictions is a problem english is not necessarily the first, your first language if you feel that language is a problem and you want to improve yourself um seek out programs which are which teach english and and or uh look for any opportunity you can where you can engage people who will speak to you in english as opposed to only in your in your mother tongue I don't believe that there are no opportunities as far as uh, pupillage is concerned. Sorry, as far as attachments are concerned, I I can certainly say, I can say with certainty there are many opportunities. So if you want to, if you want an attachment somewhere, go for it. Try. If you get a rejection, try to ask for an explanation. Try to appeal. Many people will be impressed by the fact by the fact that you are persistent and you really want to be part of the organization. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Ravan. On to another question. In your opinion, what are the biggest challenges that international students face? Okay, um, when I'm when I'm going to use my experience back in law school and as well as the, the information that I have due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So when I was in law school, I, I understood that students came from many uh, different backgrounds and as such, they they uh, had the, the language barriers um, they were not used to the um, social life in university, which is, could be quite different where they are from. And again, I'm going to go back to my, my advice earlier. Um, try not to stick within your comfort zones um, within you with only within your with your friends. While I'm not saying abandon your friends, um, get to know, get to know uh, people from other jurisdictions, students from other jurisdictions, spread your horizons and um, do your level best to take advantage of any courses offered by the university, any classes offered by the university, any clubs at the university where you would meet other students so that you can practice your language as well as your social skills. And subsequent to the COVID-19 uh, COVID pandemic, international students, you, the situation has changed. You're, you're learning from home, you're learning from, uh, you don't have the campus lifestyle. And I understand that this can be uh, quite difficult to accept. I mean, considering the fact that everybody else before this had that campus lifestyle. My advice to those students would be, again, um, look for opportunities in joining uh, online classes, online social uh, social networks and try your best to uh, meet more people and, and to uh, and to broaden your horizons there. Oh, thank you very much. Um, we have a, a question from a student here who says that um, they have permanent residency for Canada and if they want to practice there, they need to do a conversion course. Is this something you had to do? And did you experience any other difficulties or hurdles in order to practice in Malaysia? Okay, so um, 
we don't have in Malaysia for those students who qualified from the bar vocational uh, course did not need or does not need to undergo a uh, conversion course. So that is not a problem that I had. The only thing that we had to do was return to Malaysia and commence a nine months pupillage. And in that nine months, you would have to um, carry out 14 hours of compulsory legal aid. And, and that was it. So I did not have I did not experience that um, that hurdle to practice in Malaysia. Of course, being a Malaysian, the added benefit of when we studied in the UK and returned home was the fact that um, a lot of our laws are derived from uh, the same uh, or roughly the same laws which are in the UK. Uh, for example, um, the penal code in the UK and India and Malaysia um, has um, stark similarities, probably 80% of the 90% of it's the same. And um, the same same for civil litigation. We still look at English decisions as persuasive arguments. So that transition is not very difficult for a student returning from the UK to Malaysia. That's great, thank you. Um, speaking of you having a dissertation due tomorrow, how do you manage working and studying uh, on top of that? Um, I was one of those people who said that, um, oh, there's never enough time. There's not enough time. And um, I was very surprised. I was actually watching a, uh, I forget his name now. I was watching a, uh, a former SEALs, uh, SEAL team soldier, and he was giving a, a motivational talk. And he said, and uh, he said something that really resonated with me. It's like, do you know how much time you actually have? If you actually look at how much time we, we don't use uh, properly, You'd be surprised, and I, and I've, and I've, and I've seen this. You know, if I, if I switched off my mobile phone for a day, I, I would have a lot of free time on my hands. Um, and mind you, I have two kids. I've got two kids, and I've got an extremely understanding wife. Um, I think it's all about whether you want something bad enough or not, and whether you're willing to make the sacrifice. If you want, if you want to further your studies, if you want to, if you want to handle, take on a course which is going to take an entire week, you can make the time for it. You can sit your, you can prepare yourself in the office. I'm going to work twice as hard for two weeks so that the week that I'm going to be off, I would have less work or I'd find a way to complete my work before I leave, and I will find make make time for me to complete it after I return. Um, you can speak to the people who you work with and uh, seek assistance from them and promise to return the favor. As far as your family is concerned, 90% of families will definitely support you for some for an endeavor like this. So my answer to that question is, how do you make time? There is always time. The only question is, are you willing to make the sacrifice? I can definitely relate to how much time I would have if I didn't have a phone in my hand all the time. Um, when you were a student at Aberystwyth and at UA Bristol, what sort of activities did you get involved in? Okay, so when I was in um, Aberystwyth, we had a uh, group of Mal we had a Malaysian students club, and aside from, but well, I can't I can't really compare Aberystwyth and, and UWE because I went to Aberystwyth to my final year law, so it was um, I didn't have that much uh, free time on my hands to get involved in many associations, but. Uh, I kept in touch with the Rotary, the Rotary Club in Malaysia, who, um, and also I got in contact with the Rotarians in Aberystwyth, and um, some of the Rotarians in Aberystwyth, and um, that was, and also some of the activities at the Student Union. In UWE, uh, when I was studying there, the first thing I did was I got myself a job, a part-time job, when I was there, because that was something that I, aside from the fact I wanted to do it, I needed to do it. 
And uh, I was also working in Aberystwyth. And um, I got involved with the Malaysia Club. I got involved with the Student Union. And um, those were the main activities that, that, I, that I got involved in. And, and I also made it a point to make sure that I, that I, um, I hung around with as many people as I could. I got to know uh, a lot of friends who I'm still in contact with today who are not, for, not from Malaysia. Um, that is how I, that is how, or what I spent my time on when I was studying there. Also, you have to understand the bar vocational course is a fairly demanding course. So with working, with being a member of one club and with university, that was, uh, that was already a lot of time spent. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I can imagine the BBC is, is definitely full on. So uh, um, we, earlier in your talk, you did sort of mention that you didn't think that you'd be a lawyer. What made you want to go study law and was it a person maybe that inspired your career choice? <laughs> um, well, one of the one of the people was uh, was my dad. Um, my dad really uh, wanted me to do law. And um, while I had I, I did have inclinations, my mom used to always say that um, her friends used to say your son is definitely going to become a lawyer. And um, but she but my mom always had this thing. It's really up to you. Uh, my dad wanted me to be a lawyer and um, my dad it, when I said uh, at the onset when I when I first started law school I, I did not like the school that I was in maybe maybe it wasn't a good fit for me and I and I decided and, and I discontinued however subsequent to that my dad had a long discussion with me and said you know you have to do something you have to make a plan you have to know what you want to do and he of course he pushed me in the in the direction of law and um, I personally uh, thought to myself, um, I personally knew that um, if I went down this route, this the legal route, I would I was going to I was going to enjoy it. This was something which I think I could do. And that's how I, I know it's not the most ideal way to enter the profession. It's not the most ideal way to say that I, I woke up one morning and I said, that's what I want to do. I had an inclination, but um, I would say that it was my dad. My dad pushed me in that direction. I, yeah, you say it, maybe it's not ideal, but uh, but you know, a lot of us fall into careers for lots of different reasons, don't we? Definitely. Um, just we only have a couple more questions, but one of them, uh, thinking back to your studying at UE Bristol, what was what was the best thing about studying here? <laughs> Aside from the. Um, the drink the bar dry events they used to have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, campus life. I would definitely say uh, being in UW Bristol. Uh, one of the one of the things which uh, I would have said Br Bristol also played a role here. Um, when I was studying there, I didn't need I didn't need to stay in campus to experience campus life. I, I rented a property uh, outside. Transportation was never a problem. I always got, I always managed to uh, find my way to call to university. The fact that the library was open 24 hours was a great, uh, was a great benefit. Um, you know, you could always catch up on work. Um, lecturers, the lecturers, the, the lecturers who thought as during the BBC were actually practitioners, and we even had a retired judge. Um, and um, I guess the approachability, the, the 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 way we could approach our lecturers and have a discussion, open discussion, and um, how open they were about you know the cases which they which they have handled and the application uh, when we study law so when you read law and it's theoretical but the application has to be 
uh, is completely different. So uh, one major benefit was also the lecturers who who were who were practitioners and and uh, was was a retired judge, and they gave us a lot of practical knowledge about uh, legal practice and applying the theories which we had learned. Then. I would say are the few benefits, definitely the, the key benefits of, of uh, studying at UWB. I, yeah, I, I think Bristol's a great city as well, isn't it? And having motivated lecturers makes a huge difference. Speaking of motivation, how do you keep yourself motivated to continually do yourself proud? Um, I, my answer is how how can you not? Um, I I'm surrounded by people. Uh, everyone around me um, uh, are people who who excel. Everyone around me, all all my friends, my uh, um, uh, my family, everyone um, around around me uh, around me uh, has always encouraged me. And um, I as I I think. Um, as I started when I qualified and moved on to studies, I, I sorry, moved on with practice. I'm more certain what is it that I want to do. After I've completed, I had completed my stint at the bar council as well as the as well as the uh, legal aid centres. I then realised that I would like to concentrate on my on my practice. And now I'm looking at um, um, diversifying my practice. And as opposed to um, only handling criminal and personal injury, we're looking into moving into a different aspect of practice. We're looking into uh, I myself have, has, is now looking to going into uh, part-time lecturing, uh, and that's my and that's my motivating factor. My motivating factor is to um, not stay where I am; is to is to keep moving and keep learning new things. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant, especially. I mean, I don't think there's any age where you can be at where you will not be motivated to learn. If you if you uh, pick up a book on something which is which is even remotely uh, connected to what work that you do. Or something that you would plan to do in the future. At the end of that book, your 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 horizon is so much more open. I mean, your your mind is open to all these new this new information, and um, that is something that's definitely going to motivate you in that direction. So that's what I'm looking at today. I think that um, I just I want to keep on moving and learning more um, than what I know now. So that's my motivating factor. As uh, you know, every day you learn something new is, is a day worth living. Um, and finally, uh, Raven, the last question is, uh, looking back, what advice would you give to yourself as a student? Um, I would I would first start off by saying that there, there'd be very little that I would change. Um, Obviously, I would tell myself to to pay a little bit more attention and to probably uh, study a little bit harder. I would definitely say that. But I would tell myself if I had an opportunity to plan ahead. If if I was interest if I was interested in criminal law at at the point when I was studying, um, I may I may at that time have considered to. Um, Stay back an additional year and, and complete a master's in criminology. Um, I also would advise myself. I would also speak to myself and say, whatever you learn, think about how you are going to apply it in the future. Um, for example, if you were if you were drafting an opinion, 
uh, for a client in, in your classes, if you, if you were drafting an opinion for a class, you would have to understand where does this opinion go? What does this opinion do? If you were to draft it when you're out in practice, this opinion is going to land up on a board table where you would have an entire board sitting down and reading it and thereafter planning the strategy for their company uh, based on your legal advice. An opinion is not something you submit and get marks for and move on to the next class. Um, I would tell myself everything you learn, understand how it applies in the future and um, I think that would be that would be something that uh, would have made would have made a difference. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you so much, Ravan. And that is the end of today's lecture. And I want to thank uh, Ravan Singh for speaking to all of us on behalf of the university. And we hope everybody has a really great day. Thank you. Thank you. For more information about the Inspire Me Lectures series, including other podcasts from the series, visit uwe.ac.uk slash study slash block hyphen zero slash inspire hyphen me.